0: Hello, Masterplan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's awesome to have so many of you out there listening. Thank you. Um, I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the E-commerce Masterplan. I'm an author, speaker, and advisor, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. Now, last time we caught up with Gwen from Naturalicious and got deep, deep, deep into the world of hair care and also balancing B2B and B2C customer needs. If you had listened to that and you want to talk about it with people, then go and do that in the Facebook group. If you haven't listened to it yet it's a really good one but don't listen to it now because you're listening to this one. Um, If you're not yet in the Facebook group there you can find that via Masterplan.com forward slash Facebook. It's totally free. It's called the Ecommerce World Facebook group and um, I'd love to chat with you in there. Now let me introduce you to today's special guest. Nikolai Piriankov is the founder and CEO of Taylor & Heart, which is an award-winning London jeweller specialising in custom engagement rings, of which they've delivered over 2,500 to date. Now, I know we've got lots of jewellery people listening, so this one's really for you guys. Um, And now they launched in 2014 as Rare Pink, rebranded in 2016, and are now doing about 2.5 million in revenue. Um, Hello, Nikolai.
1: Hey, Chloe. Thanks for having me.
0: That's great to have you on the show. Um, Now, I've just given our listeners like a super quick overview of you and your business and what you're up to. But how did you get started in this crazy world of e-commerce?
1: Well, I grew up in South Africa and uh, it was a country that was going through a lot of change and there was so many opportunities around. And obviously, it was also an area where I was being introduced uh, in my teenage years to the world of uh, e-commerce and online. And uh, initially, we were just playing around. We had a couple of ideas Uh, We did a website around the World Cup, which uh, was in 2010 in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Uh, Had various, very, very small successes. Uh, And then I I, I left to study in England, actually, and I've been here now 10 years. Uh, But my very good friend and co-founder, David, he started a diamond company, a very traditional diamond business. And uh, a few years into my degree, I continued down uh, learning around a lot of things about e-commerce, digital marketing, and he had obviously seen that I was involved in these kind of uh, ventures. And with his uh, traditional business, he reached out to me and said, "Look, Nick, I think there's an opportunity here. We're seeing a, a, a lot of movements in uh, the retail of, of fine jewelry online. It was actually a, a late, uh, a laggard in the industry, just because high value purchases mm-hmm. obviously weren't the first um, types of products to sell successfully online. So what we were really seeing is uh, in the, in the kind of late 2000s, uh, the beginning of uh, luxury retail, and we wanted to take advantage of that trend."
0: Cool. So there's your expertise in e-commerce that you've been learning about and try, you know, doing activities with. And then David's knowledge of the diamonds, was just kind of a match made in heaven, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Oh, cool. Okay, so um, let's just get covered off exactly what the business is about at the moment. So you are in the UK. Are you selling purely within the UK?
1: No, so we did initially. Um, as you can imagine, this is the kind of product that people have to have a high level of trust um, mm-hmm. before they buy from the brand. So there was a long, long period of time where um, we just weren't getting any sales at all. And until you get, uh, you know, your reviews online and, um, and you get some features in the press and all the hygiene factors around trust, are uh, things that we, t- that we've taken care of. Um, initially we were, we were really just attracting some business in the UK. And as you can imagine, a lot of that was through word of mouth and friends that first like inner circle that buys from you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now a few years into the business, I think we've got a really good product market fit. We understand the customer's journey and the customer needs quite well. And we're doing about 35% of our sales in the U.S. without having a um, a physical office there.
0: Wow.
1: I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I mean, the the U.S. market for e-commerce is always uh, the biggest for most things. Uh, And then we also – we've shipped to another 20 or so other countries in Europe, in Africa, in uh, Australia, New Zealand, um, Hong Kong, Asia, Uh, so – uh, we, we have the, the the benefit that our product is small and light so shipping isn't expensive and yet we have very high average order value so delivering internationally isn't really a a, a big challenge for us.
0: I suppose like um, a lot of I hear here at a lot of conferences people talking about shipping overseas and the security aspects of it into certain countries and all the rest of it but I suppose you're sending via the most secure method anyway due to the the price and the intrinsic value of what you're sending.
1: Yeah absolutely so everything has to be fully insured as you can imagine and that insurance does add a cost, um, but uh, given given the average order value, it's it's still minimal. And actually, customers are prepared to pay for this. In countries, some of the countries where the, the shipping and the insurance is the highest, customers have the least amount of options available to them. So they're prepared to pay that premium just because uh, their local jewelers just aren't uh, delivering the kind of products that they're looking for.
0: Okay, cool. And then the um, the website, is that built on a normal platform or have you gone bespoke with that?
1: So the story around the website, oh, what a, what a <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, as 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 many can probably relate, we did start with a platform. It was, uh, we, we built the website. So initially we we had no money, we were completely bootstrapped and where did we go? We went to India, found somebody online, uh, they built the website on, on open mm-hmm. Um and we, we ran with that. But over time it just became a house of cards because we just wanted so many customizations and um, it became harder and harder to maintain and uh, then i was speaking to an investor and investor said to me he says it looks very interesting but we don't invest in companies that don't own their technology and that's when i really felt like there was that we were more than just a jeweler we are a platform business where we connect designers customers uh tens of thousands of diamonds from 100 different apis so it's a complex project and we decided to hire a CTO who's like one of our core team members now. Build a technology team around him, and we now have four developers, three of which are in Bulgaria in our office there. So it's not an outsourced team; they're just a, a different location. And mm-hmm. we have one front-end developer in the UK, and we built it bespoke. Um, and I'm happy to you know to share the details. It's a it's a PHP system, but everything is completely um, is custom built.
0: Wow. Well, I'm going to avoid the uh, the desire to get really techie and just say if anyone's got any questions about that, drop me a line. I'll pass it on to Nikolai, and uh, and we'll try and help you out that way. Otherwise, I think we might we might have quite a few of the uh, the listeners dialing out at that point. Um, but okay, cool. So so it, so it really is is at the centre. We're going to talk a little bit about how the website works later. But for the moment, I just want to make sure I've got kind of key things ticked off here, which is um, obviously on a, on a platform that's bespoke to you so the whole adding widgets and plugins is obviously not quite as easy as it can be on their standard platforms but is there anything in particular you're using of other people's tech to bolt on like reviews for example
1: yeah i haven't heard anything back from our team to say that uh, integrations is something that's been a challenge so if you and and i think the reason for that is that we built our data warehouse around salesforce actually so Customer oh. details all in Salesforce. So what that means is that most of our plugins are plugins to Salesforce, which is very—they have uh-huh. tens of thousands of things So actually, the website just has one API with Salesforce, and then all integrations with regards to remarketing, email automation, reviews is all through Salesforce. So it's it's interesting how that kind of solved the problem for us. Um, without us actually intending for that to be the case. Salesforce was just our CRM that we had chosen to manage customer um, communications and and keep on top of uh, their requirements. But then it ended up being like the the, the core of our customer database.
0: Oh, clever. And is there any particular thing that you've integrated that you would like to rave about?
1: Oh my God, I love Zapier. I don't know if
0: you- <laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Uh, so
1: yes, obviously Zapier solves problems in the short term so anything that you need and sometimes that means I want to test something out but I don't want to go to, to our tech team we've got a roadmap that's you that's know, all the way through to the end of the year uh, and that allows me as a non-tech person to quickly test something or our CMO to do it and then if it works then we'll look for a more permanent build um, that's one uh, we've had a very good experience so far with uh, HubSpot working with Salesforce. Mm-hmm. It gives us, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure like most people in e-commerce will talk about attribution a lot. So it's understanding where your customers come from. If you have a first visit purchase type of business model, let's say you're selling sunglasses, people visit, like what what, what they see, buy, then attribution is easy. Google Analytics can even solve that problem. But if you think about our user base, we've got 70% of our customers starting their journey on their phone, but most finishing on a desktop. And it goes over 90 days. So at making sure that we can connect the initial marketing uh, channel through to that final sale is, is super important. HubSpot helped us in figuring that out.
0: Nice. And um, you mentioned you've got that CTO and the tech team over in Bulgaria. What does the rest of your team look like? How many of you are there?
1: So, the Bulgarian team is uh, is actually six people, so the three developers. look, We also have three marketing people there. So, I'm originally from Bulgaria, even though I've lived my whole life in South Africa, but that's not the reason why we went there, uh, interestingly enough. Um, Bulgarians just have fantastic developers, uh, really, really good value for money as well. Uh, and then one of our board advisors helped us to build a marketing team mainly focused around performance aspects, so like your Google AdWords, affiliates, uh, outreaching for link building. Uh, so... Co- we got three colleagues uh, in Bulgaria, and then we've got 13 people in London. So we're actually almost 20 people as a whole. It's quite a big team, uh, just because we also manufacture. So we have mm-hmm. um, three people on the production side. They take care of uh, customer orders, um, being sent through to the various different manufacturing partners that we work with, and obviously, shipping and, f- shipment and fulfillment. We have four people on the sales team, uh, another two people in the content and our creative director are in, in London. And uh, and then it's just uh, a few more people in the executive team, Um, myself, my CFO, our VP of sales. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the team.
0: Wow. So everything covered and, and pretty much everything done in-house as well.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, we've tried digital agencies, we tried SEO agencies, we tried PPC agencies, Like we are a long, long uh, lead time business Mm -hmm. with a complex product, with a very unique journey. It's not selling something that's quite simple that people just do instinctively. Um, So we just found that no one could really get under the skin of how to connect all the different parts of our marketing uh, funnel and our sales funnel. Uh, And we just got better results working in-house. I know everyone wants in-house and we, we, we have spent a lot of time working with agencies when we hadn't on the right people for the team,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but but now it's almost all exclusively in house.
0: Okay, and let's um in that case let's let's move on to talk about that website because I mentioned earlier we we're going to talk about it in a bit more detail because it's one which um, some of the listeners may remember we had uh, the company a suit that fits on, and uh, they of course are all about booking consultations online, and then most of the transactional stuff seems to happen offline on the whole. Um, or via other means, rather than, than simply listing the products on the website. And you've got you've got kind of a similar thing to that. Only the so initially when someone comes on, it's all about starting that consultation journey. But then it is e-commerce as they get further through the journey. So do you want to? It's kind of like a, a website almost with two heads in my mind. Sure. Um, if I've got that wrong, do say. But Nicola, could you just talk us through kind of how that how that customer journey is represented on the website?
1: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned a suit that fits. I know David there very well and um, oh. obviously a, a very interesting business model. Uh, we sometimes uh, try and do some cross promotions because their customers are our customers, our customers are their customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we looked at their model and it's been very interesting and it has led to some sources of inspiration. So ha- happy to share how, how our business works. So in, initially when we started, we built an e-commerce company. And I think most of our competitors, there's a, there's a strong motivation to build a pure, a pure touchless e-commerce because it's it scales very well, right? There's no mm-hmm. no one no 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 humans involved. Customers take care of themselves. And one of our biggest competitors in the US, Blue Nile, they scaled a business like that up to about uh, half a billion in turnover. But really, their growth really slowed down because what they required uh, and the, they required a customer to become almost a diamond expert to be able to buy from them because they would give you all these options, hundreds of thousands of diamonds. And you would have to basically go, you, the first time you look at it, you go, okay, well, right. I really want to buy online because it's much cheaper and it's convenient for me because, you know, I'm a busy person and, and I don't want to really be going into a store and being pressurized into a sale. But I don't know what I'm doing. So now I'm going to have to read a huge amount of content to get up to speed with this. And we did the same thing and we found that 95% of our customers refused to do the entire touchless experience. They wanted to talk at some point where they just wanted some hand-holding or had a question. I had some advice. And for those customers who were in London, we kept ask, getting asked, do you have a showroom or store or something? We can come in and have a look at some products just because, again, we just need that extra bit of trust and touch and feel to really get comfortable with this purchase being done online. Mm-hmm. So we started we started seeing our business as this hybrid and now we're just optimizing for what's the best version of the hybrid. So a customer comes online, makes an inquiry so we do put the gates of making an inquiry quite early in the journey and then based on whether or not they're qualified whether they're just like looking for some content just browsing very early or whether they've actually indicated that they'd like to speak to someone we then introduce them to their consultant Um, the consultant finds out more about their requirements and if you are in a in, in the vicinity of visiting us in london we do mention that we do have the, the possibility for them to come visit and we really push that to customers who are in the area because we have a, a fantastic conversion rate for consultations yeah, if yeah. anyone anyone who comes in for consultation 85 percent of those customers go on to buy um, yeah. and the reason the reason for that is not because we have this kind of killer sales process it's really because uh at the stage where they come in they already really want to buy from us they kind of we've ticked a lot of the boxes around price the design it's just about that last feeling of being confident to do so for an average order value of three and a half thousand pounds. It's it's like after the house and the car, this is often the third largest purchase many people will make in their lives. And uh, doing that purely online, especially as it's an aesthetic product, one that you like, you want to, it has to be beautiful. It's not just a functional one. Um, I think there's a, there's a huge value in that. So our model for growth is not necessarily a country based expansion. It's more about city based expansions. So what other cities around the world in America, in, in the UK, Fit the criteria around having enough of a um, of a population that's within our target customer base that would be interested in having us set up a another location. So similar to a suit that fits, just that the suit that fits has a far more locations and um, than we currently have. Uh, but uh, again, it is it is about having a location assist conversion as opposed to being a requirement for conversion.
0: Got you. I love, I love the fact that you're, you've listened to the customer, you've learnt the way in which they want to buy your products, and then you've created the system that makes them go down that route. So you're kind of protecting them from themselves in some way. Because um, <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine that if you had all the diamonds listed out there, like Blue Nile do, you'd have customers who do that get confused and never come back, whereas by taking them through... You know, and I've, I've been through the process on the website as far as the request a consultation part, and it's really easy to follow. It's almost kind of idiot proof, but it makes you feel like you know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most customers uh, have a don't make me think kind of philosophy to this. They want to trust us to to advise them. That's, what, that's the kind of experience they would have had had they gone to a jeweler. Um, but now they can do it from the comfort of their home or or office. Um and, and obviously there's a there's far more options and because we don't hold stock and we don't have the expensive overheads of a traditional jeweler, they they're getting better value to the, the range of thirty to forty percent better price uh compared to a traditional jeweler.
0: Well the other things I like though as you said it's it's not um as you said it's a city based expansion plan. And I love the fact that these days with the internet you can go right, London was our was where we started. Where's the next best city? in the world to put a, a consultation <laughs> suite in because that's going to be the right place for us. And that's just, you know, and, and it's it's like in the old days, you could have sat there and go, oh, I think maybe New York would be the next place to go to or, <laughs> or Dubai, you know, wherever fits. Yeah. But but now you can you can get the team in Bulgaria to chuck some AdWords ads out in that space, see what traction you get, see how they behave and go, right, they behave in the way which we'd expect. Let's go and open in, I know, Chicago or wherever it ends up being.
1: Sure. Sure. yeah exactly you've got data well it's interesting you say New York I think New York isn't first but it is second and uh, I'll give you a kind of quick context to this so the issue with so in New York is the highest search volume as a city metropolis of engagement rings in the world that's linked to their Population size, but also because Americans have a very high percentage of the population who get engaged with an engagement ring. It's above 85 percent, so it's a cultural standard um, that's that's reached almost you know 100 percent of the population. Um, But at the same time, they have their own version of hatton Garden uh, on on 47th Street in Manhattan, making competition really high. So the reason why New York would be the best fit for our U.S. expansion would be. Not because we'd be the most competitive there, in fact, the competition will be very intense, but because they also have a supply chain aspect mm-hmm. um that we could, that we would want to take advantage of. so being uh, London is not only beneficial to our customers are here but because we also have access to the craftsmen who hand finish our rings and then um if you know if, if Manchester had been a better location, just say for example, because the, the our target customers there we would struggle from a supply chain perspective to be based there. So actually, in a country, we need to have a strong base in a city where the supply chain is. And in the UK, we were fortunate that London had both our customers and the supply chain. In the US, New York would be a good base to start off from. Uh, but then the the market, that, the parts of the market that really like what we're doing are on the West Coast. So San Francisco's, LA's, those, the the search mm-hmm. volume for custom design rings. I think it's just an, an attitude of, self-expression art there's a bit more artistry in this kind of product and I think that there are personas there that really um, find this product type appealing.
0: Wow and there I was just thinking that everybody got in, got married and bought a diamond ring. <laughs> How 40, wrong am I?
1: 45% of, uh, 45% of couples in America who get engaged are now customizing their ring and that's gone up from wow. uh, single digits 10-15 years ago um, a lot of that is because of innovations, fantastic innovations like three D printing, CAD design, which have driven that cost down and made it much more accessible to, um, to just you know more people really.
0: And you said that of couples are designing their ring. Is this something which, um, which it's a both people, both both of the couple get involved in the design process rather than he surprises her with the ring in the kind of the traditional view of it all.
1: It's, it's such a fascinating question. So we, we, we were under you know, we the impression for a, long, a large uh, part of our early years that it was the traditional way where guys will uh, buy the ring, propose a complete surprise. And then one of our mentors challenged us on this and said, is that really the case? Uh, have you asked your customers? And we sent out the survey. We got a really good response rate because it was obviously from existing customers who were quite engaged. And we were just blown away by what, what we found out. So 75% of our customers admit to some level of collaboration with their partner. Um, and when I say collaboration, I mean from subtle hinting, we, we put that on the, <laughs> the beginning of the show, to more aggressive hinting, to, all the, to designing their ring together, all the way through to we have customers regularly where we have an inquiry from the woman. She designs her ring. At some point she says, Right, I'm CCing into my uh, boyfriend. This is uh, John, for example. <laughs> and you got, feel free to uh, exclude me from the communications going forward. But that's the ring I want.
0: <laughs> wow, that's quite impressive. And the people may be listening, going, "Why is she asking that?" Because that hasn't got a lot to do with e-commerce. But the reason I ask is because I'm often not that I spend my entire life looking at engagement ring sites. But you know, occasionally I have to review them or I see them as clients, and and you think, "Well, why on earth are you doing remarketing?" You know it's kind of like oh my god the you know the game is up the the laptop or the you know the tablet that sits on the sofa she goes to it and all of a sudden she's looking at the news and there's all these pictures of engagement rings but i guess if that's the case if it's that kind of communal then remarketing is a good route to be going down
1: yeah and also because um, most of our customers just spend a large part of their early journey on their phone that remarketing makes It makes sense for us, but it's less invasive, so the partner doesn't always browse on the phone as much as on a shared laptop. And you'd be surprised how many of our customers shop while working. (laughs) (laughs) So I think less less concerning remarketing than it's very effective for us. As you can imagine, most people will agree that remarketing is um, a super useful tool. We actually have an interesting insight around remarketing that I'd be very happy to share. Please, please Um, do. So as you can imagine, we are very much a purchase intent type of business. So we're looking for people. There's a moment in time that people are looking for this product and Mm -hmm. then they're not at all for for maybe hopefully forever again. Um, So for us, doing display advertising on like Facebook and Instagram is very ineffective because it's just like what are the chances that we're going to get the right customer at the right time, Uh, and a lot of people will click on this just because it's interesting and they won't convert. But what we've recently started doing that's that's working really well is we we're using a video to basically engage customers to, to as a display advertising channel. So it's we don't know if there's purchase intent. We try and at least figure out the demographic and we use things like are they in a relationship to at least gauge that hopefully they are close to having purchase intent. Mm-hmm. But then we wait for a certain amount of engagement in the in the video. Um, so it's a minute and a half video at, at the if you watch a minute of the video or more, we build a remarketing list out of that and we gauge that those people are demonstrating some kind of purchase intent by the fact that they were engaged with that original content piece, which was very, very cheap for us to do. Display display on videos is very affordable, uh, and then the remarketing is so they haven't they haven't even visited the website, but we're already remarketing to them based on the fact that they engaged with some piece with some content that hopefully demonstrates, and we're seeing leads come through from this. And um, I just thought that was a very uh, innovative way to to engage intent before even having visited your website.
0: I like this, like a big net kind of sweeping yeah. through and collecting the people. Cause I've, I've heard, and we had, um, we had Chantal of EquiChoice uh, back in January talking about on the podcast about how she was having great results by advertising blog posts, you know, so pure content on Facebook and then creating a remarketing list of the people who'd read the content. Mm-hmm. But you haven't even even made the person go to your website. It's as if they are engaging with the content on the display platform, you're doing the remarketing. So that's, I think that's, that's a really, really great tip. So thank you for sharing that one. That's awesome. Yeah, sure. Um, and talking of awesome, Nikolai, what do you think <laughs> is the most awesome thing about your business right now?
1: Uh, so the, the most awesome thing that we're doing right now that I'm super excited about is we're bridging the gap between the virtual and the physical, but without the need of the consultation room using browser-based rendering. So um, every, th- every single ring that we do is designed in 3D CAD. Mm-hmm. And historically, we would design that ring, and then we'd have to send some still images to customers. And, and hopefully, they'll, they'll decide from those images that they like the ring and, and they're happy to proceed. But uh, recent uh, innovations allow for browsers like Chrome and Firefox actually render those files in 3D so that the customer can zoom in, zoom out, rotate, change metal colors, uh, complete customization in on, you know in the hands of, the, of our customer. And we've been uh, in beta on this for, for some time now, and uh, some customers have had the experience. Uh, many have had their phones crash due to the, <laughs> the amount of RAM that this is using. But it is the future of anything like furniture design, um, property Design, uh, jewelry design, any anywhere where uh, an architect, a designer, uh, you know, an internal, uh, any anywhere where there's a, this aesthetics involved, uh, and it's quite exciting how this technology is evolving. And uh, we've we've built it in-house; it's a proprietary technology It allows customers to see the, the ring on their finger. Uh, it's only a step away from also adding that to a an augmented reality application. Um, some of the augmented reality apps for rings already exist, but they're with a still with a still image that's just put on your finger, so it just kind of gives you an idea. This is about being able to like bring it closer to your face, move it away, turn it left, turn it right, and the 3D file rotates uh, around. Wow. And then you can say, well, what if, what if I just change the metal color? Um, so it's just basically saying, well, we are going to be in several locations and those customers are going to have a fantastic experience, but what about those customers who can't get access to those locations or don't want to because they're really just comfortable with the, 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 the value that the technology is uh, providing them in terms of helping them to make a great decision so i I think that the omni-channel e-commerce is going to only grow but i think that also some innovations in technology are going to help people to be more and more comfortable making these kind of high value purchases without um without the need for visiting a store
0: what an awesome piece of tech so presumably that the beta test going quite well and at some point in the future we'll see that live on the website
1: uh, existing customers so customers who yep. go on to get a design already get it
0: mm-hmm. so
1: it's it's in beta in the sense that we haven't put it on to the front front end of the website before you become an inquiry um, so the, the the issues there is loading speed and how that affects SEO yeah. but every single ex, every single person who makes an inquiry who gets to the point where they they get a design already is getting um, the 3d render mm-hmm. so the, the next step is using that to also generate more inquiries because customers are just excited by it before they even make the inquiry because they've seen it um on on a browse page where our products are listed instead of just having uh photos and, and still images and we will we'll be able to let customers to start playing
0: awesome well look Nicolai, i could carry on talking to you about all that for a very long time but <laughs> it's time we moved on to the top tips round cool Now, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So first up, Nikolai is the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend?
1: I really like uh, Nudge. Um, I think it's a super interesting book and very topical for our time. Um, It's a book around how it's, it's everybody's talking about conversion rates optimization, but what we see from the perspective of Nudge is how it's a behavioral economics book, so it gets into the thinking of customers. And as you can imagine, in our space, it's such an emotional product mm-hmm. and such an emotional time for the customer's life that um, I think it's really important to understand the driving factors, the kind of biological even driving factors behind people people's decisions and how sometimes those are completely... Uh, not what you had thought they were in the first place. And I think it's important to remember that, that at the end of the day, users are people and uh, optimizing uh, should come from an understanding of, of of you know customers and what they think and, and feel before um, anything else.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And um, anyone who wants to know more about that as an idea as well, we have Matt Isherwood, who's a UX guy uh, on the podcast, talking about his new book a couple of weeks back. And he was all about... Uh, getting the USP right and the messaging right makes more of a difference than any, you know, button color change and such things. But anyway, that's all. That's totally off the off the topic. Chloe. So the traffic top tip is next. Uh, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
1: Uh, so that's an interesting one because that's changed for me over time, and it mm-hmm. also depends on your business. But um, I think that one of the most successful types of marketing that we've done has been just looking for opportunities like this one to basically uh, follow the follow journalists and bloggers on Harrow and journal requests. And we have seen there's so many benefits to getting um, featured in the press in a way where you haven't outreached yourself, but you've actually just gone into a story where someone's already looking for it. Uh, obviously, you're talking about the brand. so. You see that an uplift in brand searches, which is the best because you know no one wants generic search on Google. You're competing against another twenty companies. Everyone wants to be searched for by their brand. But also, I'm I'm a big fan of, of SEO. But I don't even we don't even call it SEO in the company anymore. We don't have SEO at all. We just have outreach and we have content. So by doing this, by you know speaking to people in your space who are featuring, who are talking about what you're doing. Um, you get the best of both worlds. You get the links back to your website, which help with referral traffic, which help with your with your organic rankings, but also you get your brand out there. And I think depending on the size of the company, um, the best kind of traffic you can get is where people are talking about your company and you get an opportunity to have a platform and, and talk about what makes you different.
0: Excellent advice. Okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little u- little tool even that makes you and your cross-country team, or cross-borders team, I suppose, more efficient from day to day?
1: I guess it's difficult here to say one that other people don't use, but we are diehard fans of Slack. Um, <laughs> I, don't I know, thought you were going to say
0: Slack. slack.
1: <laughs> Uh, well, you know what it is like slack slack within a single office company is, is great um, but the minute you are with two locations it becomes communication becomes like critical to the success of the business, not just uh, you know an important part and given the fact that our technology and a huge part of our marketing is based out of uh, another country, um, we've made slack our home people are doing. Uh, Giphy's you know animated emojis like (laughs) that that element of play uh, basically I think really help people to abandon email and I don't remember the last time I sent an email to a a team member Uh, formal stuff you know only but um, communication wise uh, Slack is uh, an incredible tool and we're really happy to have it.
0: Okay the startup top tip if you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business what would be your first tip for them?
1: oh uh, so from our experience like the hardest thing that we did was initially just and uh, this is very much lean startup methodology and i'm mm-hmm. sure most of you are aware with it or of it but really um i think most people who haven't started think that there's a huge amount of work to do to get to get going and i run a, a weekend course with university students called unipreneur it's about encouraging university students to to um start up a business whilst still at uni just because you have so much time as a student that you don't appreciate until afterwards. <laughs> uh, and what, what, uh, what we do is over the course of a weekend, we set up a business, uh, which is an e-commerce company, but it's really, literally just a landing page. We don't even have the product. Uh, and people used to say, oh, you don't have to build this entire website. So you can just put the landing page. But I, can, I say now you don't even need the product. You can do the, the landing page. And uh, one, of, one of my mentors, well, virtual mentors, who is actually from Australia, ed dale he was the person who introduced me into e-commerce um he he has a thing called the 30-day challenge which i highly recommend anyone who's interested in in getting getting started in e-commerce um so it was all about just taking the first steps through through a landing page so don't undervalue the importance of a single page uh long format content that talks about the value proposition and then test endlessly and see what people want so um yeah, just get started through through a basic landing page approach and, and iterate from there as opposed to thinking that you need to build out a complex e-commerce platform on day one.
0: Okay. Well, Plan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Now, Nikolai, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media?
1: Sure. So uh, we're on all the social media channels. Uh, I guess our favorite is Instagram. We have visual products, so if you want to have see some of the in- interesting custom-designed rings, everything from lobsters to Star Wars rings <laughs> to just wow. very beautiful a classic as well. <laughs> um, check us out on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, handle Nevoda. Uh, N-I-V-O-D-A. N-I-V-O-D-A. Uh, happy to chat with anyone. Always uh, eager to meet other people in e-commerce willing to share tips and advice or to help each other out. Uh, and uh, yeah, And if, if, if you're in that special time of, of your life where you're looking for a beautiful piece of jewelry, then please consider us. We'd be happy to uh, design and quote you as a complimentary service. And if you're happy to go with us from there, then that's fantastic.
0: Cool. And what's their website URL?
1: Uh, taylorandheart.com. That's Taylor as in Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> and heart... Um, Basically, we're paying tribute to the Savile Row British tailoring around bespoke. So, tailorandheart.com.
0: Okay, brilliant. Well, um, I'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan well, as I said earlier, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or head to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Nikolai, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been, um, it's been brilliant and you've shared so much of your, your experience with us. We really do appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank
0: you very much. Wow, that's got my head spinning. Uh, a, t- a really interesting approach that's so focused on that customer journey. I really do ev- do say go and have a look at the website and see how they're trying to help the customer make that massive decision um, in the place there. Plus, you know, just proves you really do have to ask your customers because however much of an expert you think you are, they will surprise you with what they're really doing in that buying process. Now I mentioned a couple of um, podcasts as we went through there and then I thought I'd better stop mentioning other podcasts because it was all getting quite confusing. So if you were interested in what Nikolai was saying about the book Nudge and about conversion rate optimization being more about the content than it is about little tweaks, then take a listen to Matt Isherwood's podcast and, um, Sorry for the big um there, I was just looking up uh, the number. So Matt's is number 111, that's about the user experience and conversion rate optimization and USPs and all that kind of good stuff, so unique selling propositions. Um, then if you're interested in what he was saying about PR as his tooltop tip, and I didn't mention this one earlier, but there's we had Janet Murray on the show last year taking... Um, you through all the things that he mentioned there. So, journey request, Harrow and others, and how to go about doing it for yourself in your business. Now, that one was number 62, PR expert Janet Murray. So, well worth a listen if you want to take, um, take Nikolai's advice on that. And then the third one I mentioned was our interview with a suit that fits and David from A Suit That Fits who have a similar kind of business model to uh, Taylor and Hart and you can find A Suit That Fits in episode 58. I'll make sure there's links to all of that on the show notes for you guys but I thought that was just a really really interesting dive into quite a different type of e-commerce to that which most of us work in um, so I hope you've enjoyed that and I Next week, we're launching our first ever virtual summit, a conference you can experience from the comfort of your own office or anywhere else you want to watch anywhere. On the, in the world, really, as so long as you've got that internet connection. Um, it's called the e commerce master plan virtual summit. And in it, over 20 e commerce experts have come together with me to share their top tips about how to grow your e commerce business. Tips just like the awesome Facebook ads idea Nikolai just shared with us, tips on how to use freelancers and automation to free up your time, tips on how to sell overseas and reduce your currency exchange rate risks and find more margin. And because it's a virtual conference, you can pick and choose from the sessions. Watch those that are high priority for you during launch week, and then catch up on the others later on. The whole thing is already recorded, so I know just how great this content is. I promise, I promise you, you will find it a valuable resource for growing your business and educating your team. Thanks to our awesome sponsors, including Dotmailer and Paper Planes, I'm able to bring you the whole thing completely for free. That's right. There's no cost to this. Just like the podcast, it's completely free for you to consume. Just head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit to find out all about it and sign up so you'll have access to all the great content as soon as it starts going live next week. Have a great week and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the ecommerce masterplan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.